Welcome to Third Floor Views, a projection of Chesapeake Family Life, where we talk about health, education, and living with kids. I'm your host, Janet Jefferson. Today, we are here with Amy Clemens. She is a professional gardener, and her company is Designs for Greener Gardens. We are going to talk about gardening with native plants, some great resources for natives, and gardening for wildlife in general. This episode is recorded outside, so you might be able to hear a few cicadas. And to really appreciate this episode, you should check out the video on ChesapeakeFamily.com for the walking tour. Thank you so much, Amy, for joining me today. Thank you. Let's just jump right in. So I want to talk um, about a few things. I want to talk about gardening in general and about how you make the choices you make. And I want to talk, of course, about your yard. And then I do want to dive into the topic of natives and how you choose what you choose. So first, I'd love to hear just a little bit about you and your background and your business. Well, um, I've been a professional gardener for uh, 13 years, and I work with for a small company in Annapolis, um, which has been designing gardens in the area for like 30 years. But I came from this, I was a lobbyist before, so there's absolutely no connection <laughs> to my former, my former career, but um, I've always loved gardening, and so it's always been something that I wanted to do. I thought I would go do something in the environmental profession, um, and then I started looking for another job when the, la the recession hit. So I ended up as a gardener, and I've loved it. I also started um, at the Watershed Stewards Academy, and which is the Anne Arundel County um, Outdoor Educate at the Outdoor Education Center, and I'm a master watershed steward. So that's another piece of the gardening kind of but um, you know it, it's sort of another direction that I've taken in the gardening world too. So with that I'm sure becoming a, um, a watershed steward has changed maybe your decisions that you've been making in your own yard like I know that your yard here is a certified wildlife habitat mm -hmm. um, and I and I want to jump into that topic of natives because I think for a lot of gardeners um, it's a bit of a struggle and we want to support natives and are really excited by that idea but then how to make those choices. So first off um, I wanted to ask why. Why are natives important? Why should we be planting more natives? Well, natives are important for um, several reasons. They're um, certainly important for the beneficial insects, which we all rely on, which we need for our food sources. And um, they're also important um, habitat for birds because, you know, birds, can, birds choose them to eat the, the seeds and the fruit and the nuts and the flowers. And they're supposedly easier care for people because when you when people hear native you think oh um, it's always grown here therefore I don't really have to do anything special to it that's not the case unfortunately <laughs> I mean it, it could be the case yeah. you could have a totally native you know you drive by many totally native well I don't know about today if they're totally native but many you know native areas which are totally unmaintained and unmanaged and um, it, they're wonderful for habitat, wonderful for wildlife, but maybe we couldn't live there mm -hmm. because it's um, a little too wild. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so natives are incredibly important and um, you know have become much more of a, 
of a big deal in the last, you know, 20 years, I would say. Um, and, and there has been a lot more focus on them, which has been wonderful because then there's more, more of them for sale. Mm -hmm. Nurseries are offering them more, mail order nurseries and local and, um, you know, even the box stores mm -hmm. will have native departments because they know lots of people read about it and hear about it and think, oh, I'm supposed to be planting natives, so which is a, so it's a great thing f all around because the more people that want them, the more they will be available. So in terms of care, if if you you do need to take care of them, how how do you go about that, and is it different than maybe your your typical garden plant, or is it similar in the fact that you just sort of you learn about it, you do your research, you read yeah. you read the directions, and and then you you follow it. Um, what is your sort of recommendation for how to care for for native plants? It is basically the same as any plant. Okay. So it's not, you can't you could say I'm just going to plant that in the ground and let it grow and see what it does, mm -hmm. and maybe it'll be do beautifully mm -hmm. if you have the right soil and you have the right water and you have the right temperatures and you know everything's perfect in the world, then you won't need to maintain it, but that doesn't typically happen. You know, every plant, every garden, every tree, everything needs some kind of maintenance in, in our gardens because, you know, our gardens are not natural wild areas. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's not, uh, you know, you don't have all the tree cover. We don't have the forest to protect everything. And um, so I would say as, as far as maintenance, the low maintenance um, idea of natives is that they're adapted. They're adapted to our soils and they're adapted to our temperature and our water levels, you know, cha that changes all the time. But basically it's what's come to live in this area and it's comfortable here and it grows, the temperatures are good, you know, they know when the frost hits. And so it, I would say basically a native is, is easier maintenance in that regard gotcha. because you don't have to worry about oh is the frost going to kill it or is it going to you know are the animals going to chew it all down so um typically that's what so they are less care less care in that way gotcha. yes yeah what about challenges are there any particular challenges that native plants present that are maybe different from your average garden plant well like any like many plants natives can also take over mm -hmm. um so you know you could love i mean any native it doesn't become an invasive you don't call it an invasive because it's native to the area but it can we call it very happy when plants <laughs> are like too happy in your garden whether it's a native or a non-native it can be a problem that way but you know if you have a a grass like a native grass it's it shouldn't be an issue because it's it learns to learns to live well with other plants mm -hmm. and so you know if you have a huge native plant which I have on the other side of the house sylphium it's called and it's a wonderful native but it grows in the bricks it comes up it spreads everywhere and it's very hard to get rid of so some natives that's an issue too mm -hmm. yeah, you know so if you don't want them yes you have so you should do all your research whether you're buying native plants or non-native plants mm -hmm. to see if it works in your garden that makes sense. It's always a good idea to, to plan ahead. Can you mix native plants with um, either ornamentals or um, like a vegetable garden and still get the benefits that native plants can provide to the environment? Yes. So 
a lot of non-natives also provide food for pollinators. I plant, um, I plant a lot of herbs, so I do parsley and I do cilantro. And if you let those, they're not native, but if you let them go to seed, then the, the pollinators love the seeds and the flowers on that. And I have lots of thyme in my garden, and which is flowering now, and, and the pollinators love it. So, like, you know, they'll go to other plants that are non-native. It's just, there are some specific pollinators that need specific native plants. So, you know, if you want monarchs, you have to have Asclepius, you have to have milkweed. Um, and if you want a specific pollinator in your garden, you know, there are some plant, plants that only a, one specific pollinator will go to, or, you know, one pollinator needs that specific plant. So I have, we have a large mix of non-natives. We moved into this garden. It was already an established garden. It's changed a lot, but there were probably no natives in the garden when we moved in. And so now that I've learned more about them over the years, um, we've incorporated a lot of natives, but I still plant a lot of non-natives and use tropicals and I have a vegetable garden that I plant flowers in. And so I think it's a, it's, it's an easier way to garden if you can mix the two gotcha. because there's a lot more non-natives available right. to buy. And also there's so many beautiful plants out there and people want beautiful gardens. Right, right. So if you can incorporate as many natives as possible into your garden, that's you know a wonderful thing for our planet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about cultivars. So talking, I know in terms of natives, you wanna plant native plants and that's going to be the best, but I've heard a lot of things like you go to a big box store and you're like, oh great, here's echinacea or coneflower, which is, which is a native, but then you'll see that it's like um, a very specific kind. Maybe it's been bred to be a different color than the typical coneflower. Is that going to provide the same benefits as your true native? Or are they not the same? It does not provide the same. And they, okay. it, I'm sure you know Mount Cuba, which has done, it does these uh, research studies on specific plants. So they've done research studies on echinacea mm -hmm. and on hydrangeas and on baptisias and all kinds of plants to see which one, they follow them over a number of years to see which ones actually attract the most pollinators. Mm and have found that like the fluffier and the fuller a flower is, such, such as an echinacea. They've made them so they're doubles and they're right. all these. And the so pollinators, beautiful, beautiful, but the pollinators don't like them. They like a single flat uh -huh. or, you know, maybe a, you know, some specific thing of the original, the, of the native. Right. And um, when you add like too many layers and too many bracts, they become, and also becomes more sterile. Mm. And so, um, you know, I have some cultivars in my garden, which I, when I put them in, I thought these were natives. Right. I mean, they were, they were classified as natives, right. but come to find out they're not, they don't have the same benefits because there's just something a little off about them. So, um, you know, a lot of, and a lot of stores, and it's a hard thing because you really have to do a lot of research to find that out right. and to find out which is the exact one. And some, some cultivars have a lot of benefits right. and some cultivars don't. Uh -huh. So it's a very, it's a very complicated, very complicated science out there.
So with that, do you have any recommendations on resources on where um, your sort of average citizen could go to learn about making good choices or at least making informed choices? Like I know, like I'm putting in this plant, I know it's a non-native, but I'm, I'm making an informed decision when I'm doing it. Or I'm seeking out a native and um, I know it's a true native, it's not a cultivar, and I trust, you know, where it's come from. Right. How, how does someone go about finding out that information? Or how do you go about finding out that information? Well, I would say Mount Cuba, which okay. is a, a beautiful garden and research center in Delaware, is wonderful. So fairly local. Very local, yes. Um, and they do, they do all research on that. And their whole garden is native. And they have ornamental gardens, which are native, and like formal gardens, which are planted with all natives. I, I think so you can also get beautiful flowers yes. just from natives. Yes. So it is possible. It is possible. It is possible. They do have gardeners to take care of them, you know, right. to watch. And they have a lot of staff. But, um, but that's a wonderful resource for mm -hmm. that. Um, there is uh, Doug Tallamy, who everybody, you know, we all love because he's the, he's the oak guy who talks about the... the um, you know, the need for and the beauty of and the desire for oaks. And he, he writes a lot about natives. Uh -huh. So if you want true natives, if you want everything about true natives, you know, you could go to those two sources okay. because they will tell you everything about the natives. But Mount Cuba will also tell you about the cultivars and some of these, some of the cultivars like from the echinacea plant, which are still good for pollinators. Maybe they're not as good, but they are, you know, they're very good and so you know you sort of have to balance there's so many websites and there's so many uh, places out there to find this information and, um, that I think if you just google mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. mid-atlantic you know national wild national um, wildlife federation does does a lot your cooperative extension services everybody's mm. every county has a cooperative extension service there's native plant societies you know there's maryland i think there's there might be an anne arundel county native plant society so there could be very local and native people get very local because they want a specific you know it it was from annapolis and you know so there are a lot of resources out there for people who want to find out about these. Mm -hmm. That's really helpful. Um, one more topic I want to talk about before we take a tour is that you are wildlife certified habitat here in your yard. Um, what does that process entail? Um, how did you decide to do it? And then, and, and what did it actually look like to achieve it? Well, I heard about it and I think I must have read about it in one of my magazines and so decided to go for it. And you have to say that you provide shelter for birds and butterflies and pollinators, um, and you provide food and water. Okay. And so um, you cannot use, you're not supposed to use pesticides in your garden. So it's supposed to basically an organic or ornamental, or maybe not ornamental garden, but mine is an ornamental garden. and. Um, so once you do that, you write it up and you submit it to them and they approve it. And I, I don't know, no one comes to look. <laughs> no one comes to check to see if it's really um, wildlife certified. But so many people ask me about it when they oh, really? walk by. Yes, so it's really nice because um, it's, it's created a lot of interest and a lot of people have wanted to know what that is, what that means. So 
um, that part of it's fun. When you say write it up, how um, involved is that? Do you have to actually document every single plant in your no, garden? No, you don't. I think you have to have, you know, I did it years ago, so I'm trying to remember, but I think it has to be a percentage okay. of plants should be native and should, what you're supposed to do is, I don't know that they ask you for native, but they ask if it provides food. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So typically that would be something native or something with seeds or fruits or um, something like that that's going to, you know, the flowers are going to provide some um, nourishment for the birds and the butterflies. I mean, I guess you could say we have a fig tree out front and I mean, the squirrels and the birds eat <laughs> figs, so I was, I, I guess they would count that as uh, food, even though right, it's not native, right, but right. Um, yeah, so funny. it's not too involved. At least it was not when I did it maybe 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So. Um, but it was a, it's a nice process and it's a, it's a lovely thing, a lovely conversation piece for people and it draws more people into the whole conversation of providing habitat. That's great. And I can creatures. see that being a great way too to get um, kids more involved and yeah. families more involved thinking about, okay, how can we make our, our space, no matter how big or small, more welcoming to wildlife and, and going through those steps of thinking about homes and water sources and food sources, I think a lot of kids could really be attracted to that. So it could be a, yeah. nice, uh, a nice way to get more into gardening and even playing more outside. And we've done, we've been feeding the birds a lot. <laughs> I know the cicadas, they're here. Um, and understand the importance of water. So providing water for every, for, for birds, but also for bees and for, um, all kinds of pollinators too need need water sources. Right, right. Some need like running water. We don't have running water, but um, misting water. Hummingbirds like misting water. Um, so we providing fresh water every day is really important too. Yeah, so. I could see that because that's you need that to survive. Right, we all need water. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much, Amy Clements, for joining me today to chat about um, about natives and wildlife and gardening in general. And I'm really excited now to take a tour of the yard so we can head in that direction. Thank you so much to Amy Clements, and thank you to all of our viewers and listeners. Make sure that you visit ChesapeakeFamily.com for up-to-date, local information on home, health, and living for today's Maryland parent. This episode will be archived on ChesapeakeFamily.com in video and podcast format. The video includes the extended version of this episode, the walking tour of Amy's garden, which is a must-see. I'm Janet Jefferson with Chesapeake Family Life and Third Floor Views. Thanks so much.